Hello there. My name is Jessica Van Anselen and I am your host for another episode of the show that looks at big ideas from a South African perspective. If you are a South African millennial and you have no idea what this theme music is that's playing, it comes from a 1980s cartoon series called He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. He-Man was a superhero with extreme power and strength, despite his staggeringly obvious and unambitious name. You should look it up on YouTube. Pay particular attention to He-Man's hairstyle, which I think you will find was clearly the inspiration for Jennifer Aniston's famous hairdo, The Rachel, on Friends. Hashtag little-known styling facts. He-Man also had a twin sister called She-Ra, who was responsible for convincing a generation of young South African women like me that they too could be powerful and proactive in their lives. She-Ra, this podcast is for the power of Grayskull. By the power of Grayskull. the 1980s and the early 1990s on South African TV, there was He-Man, She-Ra, and another show called Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Remember, there were very few channels and relatively few television shows because paranoid right-wing government under a boycott. The internet had not yet been invented and video games were only just starting to arrive. Which means that a generation of South African kids of all races have this unique shared experience of growing up watching the same cartoons. For lots of South Africans, these shows were our first exposure to the wonderful world of other planets, magical animals, ghosts, monsters, supernatural powers, and ridiculous names like He-Man. In other words, fantasy and science fiction. That brings me to the reason for today's show. As a compulsive news and politics junkie, I was struck by reports on the phenomenal success of Comic-Con Africa, which was held in Johannesburg in late September. Did you know that 71,000 people attended that event over four days? It was just absolutely mind-boggling. I had no idea the scene was so huge in South Africa. I found it kind of thrilling. If you watch the videos of Comic-Con Africa as well, you'll see the most amazing scenes of cosplay. People dressed up as zombies and Iron Man, Wonder Woman, Harley Quinn, lots of little Spider-Mans who appear to be under the age of eight. The other thing about Comic-Con in Joburg was that it reflected way more of a race and gender mix than I guess I'd been expecting. So that got me thinking about the whole world of comics, superheroes, gaming in South Africa, so-called geek culture, where the term geek is worn with pride. Geek culture isn't new. It's existed for generations, starting from the birth of comics after World War II. And it's grown and morphed significantly with the arrival of the internet in the 1990s, taking on board technology and now gaming. As we head towards 2020 in geek culture, we're finally seeing the rise of African comics. Luis Omkees has started the hugely successful Quasi superhero series, and the genius Billy Masuku has created Captain South Africa, who is a woman, by the way. In recent years, the arrival of colossal global cultural events such as Game of Thrones and the Avengers movies has meant geek culture might be becoming less esoteric and more mainstream. I mean, I knew Game of Thrones was a global phenomenon when I was stuck in a traffic jam in downtown Addis Ababa in Ethiopia, staring at a huge billboard of Khaleesi saying, winter is coming. Being me, I had a lot of questions about the idea of geek culture. Has it going mainstream ruined all the fun? What makes comics and superheroes so alluring? Does geek culture have a gender problem? What does it look like in South Africa? And did Leonardo, Donatello, Raphael and Michelangelo contribute to the high numbers who ultimately appeared at Comic-Con Africa? To discuss geek culture, I got Zaid Hassan Matala on the line. 
Zaid is a writer, an artist, he was sketching during our interview, an entertainer, and he describes himself as the ultimate geek culture ambassador, who dispenses mostly legal advice to the government during office hours. All right then, okay, so my name is Zaid Mutala. I have a little entertainment thing going on that I call ZHM Entertainment, and I've been very, very blessed, very, very fortunate that just through my involvement as a fan in comic books and geek culture as a whole, I've been able to link up with some truly awesome brands, including Comic-Con Africa, that I'm hoping I'm going to get a chance to chat to you about as well. So my journey as a geek is, okay, so there's no superpowers or anything like that, but essentially, so I come from a small farm town in KwaZulu-Natal in South Africa. It is called Ladysmith. And growing up, I pretty much thought that I was the only person of, well, my race as well. Um, I'm Indian and, you know, who was into this kind of thing. And I distinctly recall growing up that, you know, the only exposure we had to comic books was on a Saturday at month end, we'd go to Checkers, which is a chain store here in South Africa. And, um, you know, my parents would be doing the grocery shopping and my younger brother and I would hang out in the toy aisle. And our exposure to comic books was literally reading like the seven issues they had there every single week. So it was the exact same thing. I knew it inside out, but that was the only exposure. And as the years went by and through the marvel that is the internet, <laughs> you know, I came across a little thing they call Wikipedia. And I would just read up articles and articles and articles about uh, you know, the different characters. And in my mind's eye, sort of like, imagine what would have happened in that story. And then a little while later, when I moved to Joburg, I came across a couple of comic stores and started getting into graphic novels and comic books and the like. And then it was like, finally, ah, oh, okay, so this is the stuff. So yeah, that's pretty much the size of it. You describe yourself as a geek and geek culture. I mean, for, hmm. for the listeners, what is geek culture? Okay, so firstly, it is the best darn thing ever. So let's just start off there. But uh, essentially, if you think about geek culture, it's sort of like a subculture and we're in a space where you can immerse yourself in your fandoms. So whether you are into anime or manga or Western comic books like I am or cosplay, gaming for that matter. So just being a geek is essentially immersing yourself or being an enthusiast in a certain thing. And geek culture is the culmination of all of these different elements. And it creates like another subculture within the larger culture of entertainment, as it were, that you can immerse yourself in. The reason we found each other was I was looking at the phenomenal success of Comic-Con Africa in September 2019. That was last month. I believe that 70,000 people attended the Comic-Con Africa in Johannesburg and the numbers just blew my mind. I had no idea that there was that sort of support and that sort of interest in the comic world, fantasy gaming inside South Africa. It, it seems to have been a really successful event. Did you, you attend it, I imagine? I did. I did. And I was very, very fortunate to actually be able to help the organizers with hosting some of the panels and um, you know engage with some of the artists and creators and the likes so yeah it was just it was just monumental just life-changing experience truly did you have any idea that there would be so much support for an event like comic-con africa you know to be absolutely honest i was cautiously optimistic but my mind was blown just just just, just the sheer number of people and the sheer number of people who actually embraced 
you know, everything that Comic-Con stands for. You know, there were guys in cosplay, there were guys there with their families. It was just phenomenal. Um, I, I couldn't believe it. It was just mind-blowing. Yes, I was also so surprised to see so many people, but it also seemed like a really playful and joyful space. People dressing up in costumes. William Shatner was there. Uh-huh. Um, it looked like a lot of fun. I definitely want to try and attend next year. So a lot of people's entry into the world of comics comes from the films. I'm thinking particularly of the Avengers movies, all these superhero franchises which have become enormously popular at the box office. Mm. But there is a subset of people who perhaps who consider themselves more purists, who who entered comic culture, entered fantasy culture through the comics, which is really a different sort of medium. It's um, much more personal, much more intimate. There's a lot more of a collector element what are the differences inside geek culture about those that are perhaps coming to comics for the first time through the movies and those of you who discovered it maybe earlier, maybe younger, maybe in your childhood? Is that a debate inside the community? Sadly, yes. I think it's one of the more awkward things about, uh, I'm going to refer to it as the lifestyle as well. I think that for so many people, you know, this geek counterculture which has now become a major part of popular culture has been something so personal to them growing up it was a space where so many people found belonging in a world where you probably didn't feel like you belong i mean i shared with you my story where i thought i was the only one like me on the whole planet which is kind of dramatic when you think about it but i come from a small town in KZN, so i think i'm allowed <laughs> uh, realistically speaking though yes there are um, you know some folk who believe that you know what if you are just watching the movies or just watching the cw tv series and the like you know you're not a true fan because you don't have exposure to absolutely everything and all like, I don't know, 80 years of Batman's history and, you know, all of that. But uh, honestly speaking, you know, they are fortunately in the minority. And uh, generally, it's pretty much a space where, you know, come one, come all, you know, there's something for everyone. So there are those debates that take place. But uh, I personally make a point to just try to lock those down because it's, how can I put it? And this is going to sound slightly awkward when I say it, but, and you you forgive me, but essentially you grow up in a space where, you know, you a little bit of an outsider and uh, because of your, you know, your fandoms. And now suddenly, you know, the whole world sees what you've known all along. So yeah, I think for some people, they feel a little bit smug about it. But uh, for the rest of us, I'm just like, well, you're not awesome. You are so fortunate because this is the first time you get to experience all of this. So let me experience it with you one more time. And, you know, it's just, it's just a great platform for everyone. So it sounds like your philosophy is a lot more inclusive if the art forms give people joy, whether they're coming to it, you know, only in 2017 through the films or if they've been following it since they were eight in their garage. You're just saying everyone is welcome, the more the merrier. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I mean, just let people enjoy things. That's that, that's my thing for everyone. Just, you know, do you, man, do you and just let people enjoy things. It's, it's, it's a wonderful thing. So speaking of enjoyment, what are your favorite comics? What do you enjoy the most? Oh, no, don't do this to me. Don't do this to me because you're going to... Start... <laughs> you have to choose a favorite, ah, Zane. No. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, okay. Well, uh, given my choice of outfit today, I would I would probably have to say that if there were one thing that current version Zade, you know, this Zade version 20 plus, just not going to give away my age there, um, you know, uh, I'd probably have to say that Batman would be my go-to. But if we were to talk to maybe five-year-old Zaid, who who's a voice in my head most of the time, especially when I'm spending crazy amounts of money on collectibles, you know, then I'd probably have to say Ninja Turtles and He-Man. So just somewhere between those two. You know, I, I was just thinking about, and you and I have actually discussed the role of He-Man and She-Ra and Ninja Turtles. One of the strange 
quirks of having apartheid and the restrictions on television is that there's a whole generation of us South Africans, no matter what our differences, no matter where we come from, as you've pointed out, if you play the He-Man or She-Ra theme music, if you play the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle theme music, as I did in my intro, South Africans of a generation, no matter who they are, will recognize that and we have that in common. And it's such an interesting entry point into the world of fantasy because South Africans of a certain age were just crazy about those shows. And you watched them too growing up. She-Ra had a huge influence on me. I mean, she was like the ultimate original feminist icon, maybe with a ridiculous waist size, but a <laughs> feminist icon nonetheless. <laughs> Shame, poor Sheila. Uh, no, no, no. You know, what you say resonates so strongly with me because, you know, when we were chatting earlier, I was saying to you that despite the fact that, you know, we've had all of these barriers and obstacles to, shall I say, inclusivity in our country, in our slightly unfortunate and checkered past. The fact is that, you know, because of this, you know, because of people's love for these characters, we share this bond. I think I was sharing with you an anecdote about some guys that I know that are like rare Afrikaans, you know, like rare. Rare Afrikaans. Good pronunciation there, Zaid. Thank you. Thank you. I've been working on my curse really hard just for this. Um, (laughs) um, But, you know, uh, I mean, we can barely, and I have a very strong Indian, South African Indian accent, and they have a strong, you know, that Afrikaner accent. And we can't really communicate much, but when it comes to by the power of Grayskull, oh my God, it is going down, you know? And, And you know that the stories, you know, you share the stories, like you were talking about turtles. Um, so, okay, don't judge me. Don't judge me. I was not a possessed child. But, but just hear me out here for a second. I was convinced growing up that, you know, the shower, you know, when you're having a shower, there's a little drain hole there. I was convinced that I could hear Master Splinter calling to me. <laughs> I was convinced, you know. And I just wanted my turtle action figures to go back home to Splinter. So this one time I got the chocolate brown beaten right off of me because I had actually like stuffed a turtle down there and uh, my father was not impressed at all. But here's the funny thing. Here's the funny thing. There was a guy that I met on one of the forums and he had a similar experience. So I was like, oh my word, this is universal. We were both crazy kids stuffing action figures down the drain holes and I just felt a sense of belonging that I'd never quite known. Except for the fact that I got the chocolate brown beaten off me. He had the the pink, you know, the pink whipped off him. So yeah, I think it worked out pretty nicely for everyone involved. So I love this point about, you know, shared experiences. So you do think that comics and fantasy have a role in helping people to navigate difference and perhaps outsiders to find language and like frameworks to think about dealing with people who maybe aren't the same as you. Absolutely. Let me take it to Comic-Con Africa as an example. You know, like we were talking about 70 plus thousand people walking through there and from different genders, different religions, different races, you know, cultures and creeds, everyone coming together. And if you just had to go to the ballrooms, there was a hall at Gallagher Convention Center where the con was hosted. And essentially they had tabletop board gaming there. And you just found people like across the spectrum, just going, picking up a game and starting to play. You know, and you could just see that, okay, you know what, look, it's a shared experience. It's a collective experience. And it's just a very nice way for people to connect. So, yeah, I do strongly believe that. Superheroes are often quite tortured. You're wearing a Batman shirt today. Listeners, you can't see that Zade is wearing a, a lovely Batman shirt today. And I always think that Bruce Wayne is one of the most depressed and mentally ill characters that you come across in comics. I mean, he's not a happy guy. Look, I have this belief system that comic books cartoons, games, the characters generally act as a metaphor for the human experience. 
You know, it's it's often said that art imitates life. And I think you really see that in comic books. And what's very really nice about comic books is the fact that, you know, because it's a periodical, it comes out every month or every fortnight, and it's an ongoing narrative. So you can sort of chart the growth of these characters. So when you talk about Batman, yes, 100%, you know, he is paranoid, he is depressed and all that stuff. But instead of having this character now where all the stuff brings him down, he's actually a metaphor for the perfect human being, you know? Just keep on doing things. Victory is in the preparation. The night is darkest before dawn. You know, all of those themes, these constant themes, I think it's actually quite uplifting. And for most people, when you see these things, it's a sense of escapism. If I can use another example, I'm sure you're familiar with Iron Man, Tony Stark. So in the comic books, he is actually battling with alcoholism. And so you have this guy, billionaire genius, playboy, philanthropist, who in the comic books also has an ongoing struggle with alcoholism. And just to see this larger-than-life character dealing with a very human challenge, I think it's just a phenomenal way of humanizing these characters. So even though you have these extraordinary themes, it really brings it home for you in the way these characters, rather the way the writers and artists actually bring across these themes and how they deal with these social issues. So, And then, of course, there's also like people beating up other people and all of that stuff. So that makes it a lot of fun as well. So there's something for absolutely everyone, really. I sometimes think that a lot of the reasons we love superheroes like Superman and Batman is because they are extrajudicial. In other words, they operate outside institutions like criminal justice because those institutions are failing in cities like Gotham City or Metropolis. They're basically vigilantes. And that's kind of reminds me of South Africa, actually, because South Africa is battling so much with some of the issues portrayed in certainly the original comics, you know, corruption and maybe government who doesn't care and the rise of crime lords, etc. So do you think South Africa is particularly ripe for a superhero universe of crime busting demigods? Yes, yes, yes and no. Yes and no. I think you should write it, Zaid. <laughs> no, 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 no. I think I'd be a bit too jaded. To answer the question, yes and no. You see, the thing about art, uh, especially like comic books, you know, it can become sometimes a little bit unflattering in terms of it looks at the world as it really is. So if you look at international comics, for example, there is a storyline is called Identity Crisis. It's a DC book and they take these characters and they basically put them in a very human situation where one of the superheroes, his wife is raped by a supervillain. And just showing that how, you know, despite the fact that people can bend steel with their bare hands, leap buildings in a single bound and all of that, you know, you're dealing with very, very, very human issues. And how do they actually explore that? So in the context of the South African base, I think that, yes, you know, there is some work being done at the moment. Uh, the, the guys from uh, Team Quezi, so Luis Mpise and his team, you know, they, they're doing some amazing stuff there. But I think that, you know, to actually get that hard and gritty almost Sin City type of comic book just right now, um, that's going to rock the boat. And I, I think we're really afraid. It'll be really cool. I'm afraid and excited all at the same time. Yes, South Africa is a pretty um, dark space at the moment, it feels, and where it is. So maybe a superhero would help us navigate it or make us more depressed. You mentioned Loiso Mkiz. Um, for my listeners, he, uh, Loiso is an illustrator and artist who is responsible for the Quasi series of comics, yes. which I'm hoping Zaid will tell us a little bit more about. But he's not the only one. You were telling me about mm. another illustrator by the name of um, Bill Masuka, was it? Mm. Talk to me a little bit about this new generation of young African illustrators and artists who are entering into the comic world, taking it as their own, finding their own voices, etc. Yes. Oh, wow. Okay. No, it's such a dynamic field right now. So Bill, Bill Masuku, right? So he is 
uh, writer, artist, creator. I mean, that guy is just a whole damn package. He really is. And he is out of Zimbabwe, actually. And he's created a character called Captain South Africa. And essentially, you know, that's pretty much the South African superhero that we were talking about. But the way he looks at, you know, the, the South African space, it's actually very, very interesting. And I, I strongly urge everyone to go and check out his work. It's brilliant. So you can see that, you know what, like guys are looking at the issues and they're actually trying to take a very unique South African context and bring it out into the world out there. So when you look at comic books historically here in South Africa, you know, we've seen some amazing work, but a lot of it is political satire. A lot of it, uh, you know, pokes fun at the things that we've been doing here in South Africa that we've been getting wrong. But the question is, are South African audiences really able to grapple with all of that? Because when you look at it, you find that international books, like some of the US books, and even some of the manga, the Eastern stuff uh, here in South Africa, it sounds a lot better than our local stuff. I think it might just be a little bit because people are so jaded by being exposed to stuff all the time. So we see it in the news, you hear it on the radio, you read in the newspapers, and now in your form of escape, you know, in comic books, you've seen this again. So what guys like Bill and Luniso with the Crazy Universe are doing is that they're basically taking, yes, uniquely South African themes, but shaping them in such a way that it's actually exploring some of the tropes that we see in international comic books. So if I can use uh, Crazy as an example, like they've got this really, really, really cool concept where, you know, basically the powers that uh, their title character Crazy has, these powers are imbued on certain people. And the way that creative team explores how you would have a superhero here in South Africa without being too on the nose, but talking about, okay, you know what, we've got politicians that are corrupt and businessmen that are corrupt and all of that stuff. So I strongly urge everyone to go into this. You are this is so difficult because I want to tell you more, but I don't want to spoil the experience for anyone as well. So the best thing I can do at this point is to say that there's so much going on over here in South African comics. I mean, there's another guy, his name is Ray Witcher. Now, Ray Witcher is a genius, really he is. So Ray is another South African creator and he's come out with a couple of books as well. His most recent one is called Spook. You know, S-P-O-E-K, spook. And basically, this character is a dark vigilante here in, you know, on, on African soil. And just the way he explores some of those themes as well, it's really changing the landscape. So there are a ton of them and you guys need to go and check them out, really. That's a great recommendation. So it sounds like there are a lot of young people entering that space and telling cool stories. And I like the point you're making in that sometimes we overstack our expectations of young South Africans to always talk to our political reality. But an important part of this universe is escapism and fun and playfulness and not to lose that and become so bogged down with like speaking to the South African reality that it's just not fun anymore. I think it's a great observation. If I could just add on to that, and I'm probably going to get into a lot of trouble for this, but what I love about your show is that you are not afraid to like deal with the issues head on. So I'm just going to come out and say it. And this is just my personal view. I do believe that with all of these things here, there is a sense of escapism that needs to take place. It is a form of entertainment. And sometimes art just needs to be art. Sometimes Fun just needs to be fun because what I find is, and this is my challenge with a lot of the media that comes out of South Africa, you, you see it in our series, you see it in our radio shows. It's always trying to make it uniquely South African. And then we're wondering why the rest of the world is not interested in it. If you look at American sitcoms, if you look at American sitcoms, not everything about them is relating to what's going on in America. You know, sometimes they just have these stories and these narratives relating to those characters in that particular universe that they're creating. Whereas here in South Africa, 
my observation has been that a lot of the time, there just seems to be this thing that we have where we have to talk about what it is to be uniquely South African. I'm like, no, sometimes a story can just be a story without you having to push that narrative down someone's throat. Just let art be art, let the story tell itself, and don't worry about tying into the larger tapestry of South Africanism. You know, don't get me wrong, I don't mean to sound unpatriotic or anything like that. I'm just saying that, you know what, art needs to be art, and the stories need to be told. And if the story by, you know, in and of itself links to those themes, then please, by all means. But let's not make a thing of something that isn't that thing, if that makes sense. I'm nodding over here because I think one of the things that worries me so much about South African art, and I know that that's a ridiculous over-categorization, not all art is the same, but there is tremendous pressure on fine artists and visual artists and writers and poets and everyone in South Africa to constantly talk to our political reality and the suffering inside our country. And I think it can be detrimental to play and experiments and fun and escapism. And so, yes, I completely agree. And I think we share similar views on on the role and also the pleasure of art. But now I'm going to contradict myself completely and ask you a bit of a tough question, but I have to ask it as a feminist. It's clear that the world of fantasy and comics has historically had a bit of a problem with gender. I'm particularly aware of, in 2015, the Hugo Awards, which is an annual award for fantasy fiction, got embroiled in quite an ugly spat with the alt-right across the world, saying that they felt that new science fiction and new fantasy was over-representing the voices of women or people of colour. There was also Gamergate, which was just a really nasty incident of misogyny. And it is a subculture which has had a reputation for being overwhelmingly male. I know that is changing now, but do you have any views on how inviting it is to women, both as creators of content, but also as fans and participants. Like, for example, did women come to Comic-Con Africa? That is, wow. <laughs> this now, now we've gotten to the high gate part of the questionnaire. You know, it's like, Ooh, okay, I should have opted out of high grade at the beginning, you know? Um, okay. <laughs> you don't, okay. you so, don't have so, to answer if you so, don't want to say it, but yeah. no, 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 no. I, I really want to. I really want to. And what I'm going to do is I'm not going to do you or your listeners the disservice of being politically correct here. I'm just going to give a completely honest and earnest response to this. Please do. And forgive me if I'm going to offend absolutely everyone. I think that the biggest problem with everything right now is that we are just becoming too overly conscious of is there representation, should representation take place, this and that. For me, I'm like, there are wonderful creators, there are wonderful characters, and they just happen to be female characters. They just happen to be female creators because they're just brilliant. So you shouldn't, you know, put too much of a pin on the fact that, oh, well, you know what, it's only brilliant because it's a female character. It's only brilliant because of that. Just let the, once again, let the story tell the story. Mm. Look at Shira. Let's go back to Shira for a second. Because I love Shira. Yes, let's let's do that. I love Shira as well. And, you know, recently there's a new Shira series that's out on Netflix. It's very, really cool. A complete twist on, you know, everything that we know about Shira. But back then in the 80s, you know, like, I mean, I caught on the tail end of that, you know, that entire fandom. But what was really awesome was that you could just have a powerful character who spoke about good things and taught good values, and she just happened to be female. And nobody cared, you know, about the fact. I mean, obviously, people cared that, yes, she's a female and she's powerful, but whatever the intention was, it was just good TV. 
Now, what we're seeing right now is that, you know, even that stuff with the Hugo Awards and all of that, I just think people are getting too, you know, too sensitive about the fact that, oh, no, are we getting representation for representation's own sake? Or are we getting representation because they need to have? I'm like, no, guys, 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 stop a second and just enjoy the art for what it is. Look at Patty Jenkins. Well, Patty Jenkins is a genius. She did one. She was the director of uh, Wonder Woman a little while back. And let me tell you, Wonder Woman was just a brilliant movie. The fact that, you know, it was Wonder Woman had very little to do with the fact, at least for me as a fan, as a consumer of content, had very little to do with the fact that, you know, like, it, okay, this is a Wonder Woman movie. It was just a good story. It was just a very, very compelling story. And the way they did everything. So I just feel that, you know what, guys, we need to check ourselves. Now, we need to check our privilege real quick here. And we just need to enjoy the art for what it is, you know. And as far as representation is concerned, now I do understand the other side of the argument as well. The question is, should we be changing characters just to have inclusivity or just to have representation? Speaking as a person of color, I grew up being a Batman fan. I still am a Batman fan. And I never once felt that, okay, I can't be Batman because I'm not a Caucasian. I just felt that, okay, you know what, if I do enough push-ups and if I make enough weapons with clothing hangers and, you know, some of that stuff. You would need to do a lot of push-ups. It's true. A, a lot <laughs> of push-ups, a lot of push-ups. It's a funny story for another day. Ask me somebody about my utility belt project <laughs> and the scars on my hands. Right? Oh, so okay. It's a funny story for another day. Mm. So for me, the race of the character made no difference. It had nothing to do with it. Similarly, now, when I look at last year, towards the latter part of the year, there was this movie that came out. It was called Into the Spider-Verse, a brilliant movie. And there's uh, basically they talk about the multiverse. And there's a character, Miles Morales, who is, you know, a Afro-Hispanic Spider-Man. But I'm like, oh, Miles Morales, yes, Miles Morales. I'm like, no, he's just Spider-Man. You know, he's just Spider-Man from another universe. Because every single comic book, you know, ever since the 80s, you know, there was this major story called Crisis on Infinite Earths. And that's where we started getting this idea of multiverses, plural, not just one multiverse, multiverses. So you can have different versions of characters and whatnot. So why now is everyone getting all uppity about the fact that there's a little bit more representation in it? You know, I just think people are looking at it the wrong way. I believe that, you know what? Is the story good? Is the art phenomenal? If it is, then don't get caught up in the politics of it. Just let people enjoy things. Can I tell you about one more character? And I really think that everyone needs to go and pick up this book. So, you know, last year, Captain Marvel came out uh, with Brie Larson. Yeah, Captain Marvel, the, yeah, the Brie Larson, absolutely. It was a great film. Now, now it, oh, damn routine tooting. Now, in addition to that, in the comic books, there's another series called Miss Marvel. Actually, there's a couple of different titles featuring that character, but it's Miss Marvel. And Miss Marvel is her, her alter ego is Kamala Khan. And so she is a Indo-Pakistani character, I think it is, and she's in America, and she's Muslim. That's This is what's very good. Now, as a Muslim myself, I just find it really, really interesting to say that, okay, well, you know, here's Marvel, and they are creating these characters, and there are so many, for lack of a better, the mosaic now has become so much more vibrant with these different stories, different characters, with, you know, just different take on the tropes that we've seen throughout all these years. And here's the amazing thing. That character, you know, that's the, those storylines happen right next to Captain Marvel. 
you know, who who is the Captain Marvel, Carol Danvers that we know and love. So I'm like, there's a space and a platform for everything. I know a lot of people would be like, oh yeah, but Zaid, would you feel the same way if tomorrow they made Indian Batman? Would you like it or not like it? I'm like, you know what? Honestly speaking, I'm enough of a fan to give it a chance. And here's the beauty of comic books. Here's the beauty of media. Every time something doesn't go the way you really think it should be going, they can always reboot, start right back at one, like a boys to men number, and everyone is fine. It's interesting because even in this conversation you and I are having, I can feel the tension and the tension within myself because I haven't resolved this between the need for art forms that are playful and escapist and take us away from an increasingly difficult reality. It's hard to be you know, conscious in the time of Trump and Brexit and climate change and, you know, the Zuma years, etc. So you need something and you want something to take you away from that and to give you relief in a world of fiction. But you're also saying that there is this tension of sort of political responsibility as morals move on and norms move on. Women make advances, people of colour claim more justice um, than perhaps historically was given to them. So there is a tension there between how that manifests in the art. And I can hear that. I mean, I, as I say, I feel it myself. Do you want to enforce those changes so that they're represented in the fiction? Or do you want to let it organically evolve as long as it's always interesting and alluring to readers? So it is a fascinating debate. No, no, definitely, definitely. And, you know, I think that we could probably do like an entire, have an entire competition just on that one element. But for me, my baseline is this. I lead a fairly stressful life and I have a fairly stressful career where I have to deal with these sort of issues on a day-to-day basis. But, you know, when I come home at night and I go to my bookcase and I take out a graphic novel or I open up one of my boxes and I grab myself a comic book and I sit in my not-so-comfy armchair because it's old now and I sit over there and I open this book, I just want to escape. I just want that five-year-old me to kick into high gear and just be like, wow, oh my God, beef, beef, pow, oh, I can't believe he did that. Oh my God, oh no, oh no, what's going to happen to Batman? Yo, he beat him. I just want to have that, you know what I mean? So all the other politics and stuff that come with it, I consciously make a choice to say that, no, you know what? I'm going to stop it right there. I'm just going to enjoy the art for what it is. And tomorrow morning, when I shave and put on my suit and I go to work and I sit at my desk and I open those files and I prepare for, you know, whatever it is I'm doing that day, then I'll deal with the world as it is. Because I just feel that, you know, people right now, it's the saddest thing is people are always talking about, oh, no, people are too sensitive. People are too sensitive. I'm like, yes, the world has made us that way. But honestly speaking, everything starts with a choice. You know the reason why I got into comic books and why I got into action figure collecting and all of that? It was because I felt that the world out there didn't really have much for me growing up. So I wanted to find a world where I could feel like I belong, you know, create a world for myself. And the second now you start trying to make sense of the real world, in inverted commas, with, you know, the escapism that comes from entertainment media, then I'm like, okay, no, guys, you seem to have forgotten the point of entertainment media and you need to check yourself. Don't take life so seriously. Life is too short. No one's getting out of life. Just let people enjoy things. 
Yeah, I think it's a deep cultural observation about South Africans as well, that we feel that escapism is a guilty pleasure. Mm. And in fact, it's probably the secret to being able to survive. Yeah. <laughs> Zaid, I, I wanted to ask you, so uh, first of all, Comic-Con Africa will be back next year. So if any of our listeners missed it this year, it will return in September next year. That's right. And more than that, you know, there's even better news for those of them who don't know. So look, guys, it's going to be totally awesome. Next year, there will be two Comic-Cons. So there's going to be Comic-Con Cape Town and slightly later in the year, Comic-Con Africa once again that's going to be in September. So I just want to contextualize for you guys that there's going to be two separate shows. So you want to get ready, start saving, get your tickets for both of them. So Comic-Con Cape Town, what's really, really cool is the guys from Comic-Con going to be playing a strong focus on the, I'm going to say the movies, series and animation aspects of popular culture at Comic-Con Cape Town. And then when we get to Comic-Con Africa in September, you're going to have the whole 2T. So next year is going to be a monumental year for fans everywhere. Start saving, guys. It's going to be epic. It sounds like it's going to be great. I definitely want to try and get to one of them. And Zaid, you're a YouTuber. Do you have any recommendations for our listeners of where they can learn more about this world? And I'm going to presume that it's starting with watching your YouTube channel, which I will link to in the show notes. <laughs> ah, yes, it's just shameless self-promoting. Yes. So hey, what's up, guys? My name is Zaid. And what I do is a weekly show where I talk about comic books. I give away comic books and let you know all the things that you need to get into, in addition to some of the other shenanigans. I do a couple of different things there, but I'm very, very blessed, very, very fortunate that I've built pretty strong relationships with some of the major players in um, you know, the South African space as far as geek and popular culture is concerned. So on my YouTube channel and on my Facebook page, I put out videos every week where I talk about different facets of fandom. And, you know, I do giveaways and all of that stuff. So if you want to get some free stuff and learn something while you're at it, you know, you can do that. But also, you know, just so guys have, you know, you can go to the source as well. If it's okay, I'd like to tell you listeners about some other places they can go to, you know, just to like get some comic books, download that stuff, read it and get up to date. So one of the resources I use is called Comixology. But it's Comixology.com. And you can go over there and they have a subscription service where you can get hundreds upon thousands, in fact, millions of books um, dating all the way back from way back when, you know, and you can get all the way up to date. So that's really awesome. And they have pretty much everything. They have Marvel, they have DC, they have Image, they have some of the other independents as well. And then also, you know, if you are just into, let's say, Marvel, there's this um, thing, it's called Marvel Unlimited. So you can just Google that, and that's a subscription service as well. And there you can get, you know, like Marvel stuff. And if you are into DC, DC has a similar service. So that's the DC Universe subscription. But with that one there, you just need to check. I'm not 100% certain if it's active in South Africa just yet. So for that one there, you may just want to go back to Comixology. And um, yeah, oh, 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 also, we, we didn't really touch on it here. But, um, you know, there's also another thing that's happening in South Africa is that there is a major growth for, shall I say, the scope of anime and manga here in South Africa as well. So if there's anyone who's into that kind of thing, and it's really, really awesome stuff. The first one is Crunchyroll. So, you know, the chocolate crunch, Crunchyroll, and of course, Shonen Jump. You know, but once again, I'm going to give Jessica the details and she'll post it there for you guys. And guys, I'm telling you the stuff, if you are not yet a fan, I invite you to take this journey with me. It is going to change your life. It's going to add some color to your world. This is how I look at it. And I'm going to be judging all of you really harshly. So uh, I apologize in advance. Right now, if you do not have a fandom, if you are not a part of some element of geek culture, you are essentially looking at your world in black and white, pixelated with some sepia on top of that. So really, really, really dull and dour indeed. 
But the second, the second you allow yourself an element of escapism, just just allow yourself the ability to see the world slightly differently through some fandom or the other. It will enhance your life in a way you can I, can, I cannot explain to you. So take this journey with us. Zaid Matala, such a refreshing message as opposed to all the storm and drang of politics. It's been so great interviewing you. Thank you for all your time today and have a good weekend. Oh, thank you for having me, man. Keep doing what you're doing. You are rocking the boat, my sister. You are rocking the boat. I love what you do. Thank you for listening. And before you go, just a fun fact. Did you know that Blade Runner, Ridley Scott's 1982 dystopian science fiction classic, was set in Los Angeles in November 2019? So you all have exactly one month to start cutting thick fringes and wearing trench coats and dog collar chokers like the characters in that movie. Big thanks today to my guest Zaid Matala, Claire Wright at Comic-Con Africa, who has been such a huge help, and the patient Paul Stevens from Stick and Splice for his sound engineering. If you have any feedback, you can always tweet the podcast on Twitter at Big Ideas Podcast. That's at Big Ideas Podcast. Or drop me a mail on thecommutesa at gmail.com. And to listen to all the past episodes of this podcast, go to www.thecommute.co.za or subscribe on Apple iTunes or Spotify or Google Play. We've got episodes on ideas such as expropriation without compensation, Bitcoin, there's Vladimir Putin, there's going on holiday in North Korea, there's paleontology, uh, national health insurance, Brexit, you name it, and lots else. See you next time.